This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Man, what a powerful time in worship. Man, I just absolutely love just singing about the faithfulness and how God is just so trustworthy and how regardless of what you may be going through, regardless of what may be going on in your life, that you can know that He's still faithful. Amen? Amen. And He is faithful. Man. Well, as we kick off a brand new two-part series that we're going to do, uh, we're calling it Kicking Crazy Out of Christmas, because wouldn't we all agree that when it comes to Christmas time that should be focused on Jesus, that should be focused on the birth of our Savior, that oftentimes it becomes about everything but that, doesn't it? And so we want to get rid of the craziness that surrounds Christmas, and there's a few practical ways that I believe that we can do that. And today we're going to deal with a strong piece of practicality that I think will actually help you and encourage you, even if you've already gotten into some of the more stressful side of all of the things that surround the holiday, because we want to talk about avoiding Christmas crisis this morning. So if you're taking notes, you can write that title down, and we're going to be kicking crazy out of Christmas over the next couple of weeks You know, people get captivated by things that they want and the things that other people want or things that maybe people aren't even asking for because it was on sale. And we get all wrapped up in spending money around the Christmas time buying all of this stuff. And we make impulse decisions, man, and people are crazy. Have you ever been to Black Friday at all? I mean, that should just say enough, right? Stores that normally are decently busy, you can't find a parking space for like three miles down the road because they have something 50% off and everyone's going to wait out in line in the cold. I mean, over at Best Buy, they set up tents for people to actually camp and sleep in. It's ridiculous, just so we can save a little bit of money. But what this causes often is a lot of overextending of people during the holiday season. And I think a lot of that overextending has a lot to do with the stress that we feel both during and after the holidays. And we feel all this outside pressure. I looked at a, uh, at a survey that was done uh, by a national poll, and out of the people surveyed, the online Christmas shopper plans on spending $1,312 on gifts online. Now, here's the thing. We have invited crazy into our lives And it's not bad to buy gifts for people. It's not bad to spend money uh, on gifts for other people. But we need to make sure that we steward our finances in a way that honors God all the time, not just all the rest of the year and then Christmas we get to have a cop-out and make all of these excuses. We need to honor God with the way we steward our finances all year long. Amen? So this week in Kicking Crazy Out of Christmas, we're going to deal specifically with finances, and we're going to deal specifically with the idea of how to manage your money when it comes to times like Christmas during gift-giving seasons. And as I was thinking about this message, um, I was talking to some members of my staff, and I said, man, maybe I I should have preached this, you know, a month ago, uh, because some people are going to be like, oh, I wish I would have heard this because I'm experiencing financial pressure and stress, and I wish I would have known this earlier. If that's the case, don't worry. It's not too late to start doing and implementing good, consistent habits now, right? So we need to make sure that regardless of what season you may be in or what situation you may have find your, uh, found yourself in based on the way that you have navigated stewarding your finances over the course of buying things throughout the holidays, it's never too late to start doing something good. Amen? 
And I want you to think about it this way. When we talk about our finances, we talk about managing our money, we need to really get a fresh perspective on this whole idea because you manage God's money. Just let that sink in for a moment. You manage God's money. Psalm 24 and 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means it's all God's. And that means that whatever you have been given and entrusted with, that you are a manager, you are a steward of it. Oftentimes the trouble we get into is when we look at ourselves as the owner and we look at ourselves as the one who gets to do whatever we want because it's ours and we don't put any thought into the things that we have received as being a blessing from God and they're truly His and He's given them to us for His glory and for His honor and we're supposed to use those things and steward those things for His glory and His honor. Often we don't take that approach to it because we think it's mine. We say, I'm taking my ball and going home because it's my ball. And we don't think about what God tells us to do often, especially when it comes to the holidays. People's eyes and their judgment gets clouded by the sales sticker or by the pressure that they feel to get something for someone. And because of that, they make bad decisions. That's why January 26th is probably the saddest day of the year because so many people wake up the day after Christmas and they want to have an emergency financial meeting with their spouse to try to figure out how we're going to climb out of this mess we just created for ourselves. When all of the feelings and all of the emotion of giving large extravagant gifts is over and we felt good about ourselves for all the gift giving that we did, then when we have to actually balance the checkbook on December 26 or we know that the first of the year is coming and we feel the pressure, man, we feel like I can't wait until it's income tax time, so maybe I can get a refund to help pay some of this stuff off. And people live their lives that way, and that's a very dangerous, reckless way to live, and it doesn't honor God. And I know from firsthand experience, because I know there were many years where me and my wife lived that way, and we've learned a lot of things from those things, as well as how to steward our finances well and with excellence. And God wants you to do that because it honors Him. And He has said, this is mine, and I have given it to you to steward and manage. That's how it was from the very beginning of creation. God said, here's this garden. I created it for you. Now I'm putting you in charge of it to steward it, to tend it, to take care of it, to make sure that you take care of the things that I have given you. And it's the same thing with your finances. It's the same thing with everything because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You know, you treat things that you manage differently for someone else oftentimes than you would treat things that you feel that you own. When you're managing something for, for someone, especially someone you care about, someone you have good relationship with, you're going to treat those things differently. One of my favorite things that I have in my home is in my office at my house. It's a Reggie Miller rookie card, all right? I was a huge Reggie Miller fan as a kid. I loved Reggie Miller. If you don't know who he is, he's a basketball or was a basketball player for the Indiana Pacers, and he was my favorite growing up. I loved Reggie Miller, followed his whole career, and I have tons of memorabilia and collectibles. But my most prized collectible that I have of Reggie Miller is that rookie card. It was from a very limited run of a very limited series, and every card in that series is worth a lot of money. But that one, I don't care what the price tag is, uh, I'm not going to sell it because I find that something that I enjoy having and something that is valuable to me. It's behind glass, okay? 
this basketball card is behind glass. And then to get to the card, you would have to take a screwdriver and actually unscrew six different screws to even open the glass case, which would then lead you to a plastic protective sleeve that the card is inside, inside of the glass. And then you would take the card out of the plastic, but you would never take the card out of the plastic because I wouldn't allow it. The card is graded at one of the highest grades that you can grade collectibles with, especially older collectibles, because it's in absolute pristine mint condition. And I acquired it when I was 12 years old. And I thought I had just struck gold when I got this card at a trade show. And I have protected it ever since. Now, if I took that card and I said, you know what, I need you to manage this for me. I'm going to hand it to you, and I'm going to say, this is still mine, but I want you to watch over this thing, so while I'm gone or while I'm away, I don't want anything to happen to it, anything to happen to it that would be bad because it's important to me. Because things can happen with collectibles, with the way temperature fluctuates, with you know the way that things may get mishandled or misplaced or knocked down, things like that. So I thought you would be the one to be able to take care of this thing that was important to me. And I handed it to you and I said, here, take care of this card for me. I want you to manage the care of this thing for me. You may not know anything about collecting basketball cards at all. And you may frankly not even care about collecting basketball cards. But because you care about me and you have a relationship with me, you would do a good job taking care of the thing that you don't really care about, but you care about me. You understand what I'm saying this morning? Why would you do that? What would motivate you to take care of something that you have no interest in, perhaps? Why would you do that? Because you care about the person, because you have a relationship with the person. Now, if you didn't know how to care for it, would you just take my card that I handed you in its glass case and would you just throw it into a drawer somewhere and hope that nothing happens? No, you would make sure that that thing was okay. You would make sure that that thing was taken care of well, even if you had to do a little bit of education to learn how to properly care for a, an older collectible. You would learn how to do that because you care about me. Just like when someone watches over your house, maybe you go on vacation, you have a house sitter. Isn't it cool when someone watches over your house that's a friend or a family member and you come back and they've done something extra that you didn't ask them to do? Isn't it awesome when you show up? I've had people watch my house for me before when I was going away on a vacation and come back and they cleaned it. I'm like, you can house it for me anytime. I didn't ask them to clean it. I didn't expect them to clean it, but maybe they did just a little bit extra. Maybe they organized something or, or they saw there was a need somewhere and they, they took care of something. Man, isn't that a good feeling? Because that person didn't do that because they care about your house. Because in all reality, they're not very interested in your house. What they are interested in is their relationship with you. And because they care about you, they were willing to do things well and steward things well because they care about you. Now, when you have a relationship with God... You're going to care about the things that are God's. And you're going to want to do and manage the things that God has entrusted you with for His glory. And you're going to want to make sure that you are a person that is growing in excellence, taking care of the blessings that God has given you because you recognize you're not the owner of the blessing, you're the steward of the blessing. And the purpose of the blessing is to bring glory to God. And any benefit you receive out of it is a fringe benefit from the purpose because God wants to use it as a tool for His glory. And so if that's the case and God has given me a job and God has given me income and I have money, I need to make sure that I steward and I manage it well because I care about the one who is truly 
the owner and I want to make sure I do it his way and I take care of it in a way that would honor him even though he's entrusted me with it. Luke 12 and 34, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And then Jesus also gives a parable in Matthew 25 where he talks about the parable of there's a master who has three different servants that he knows that he can entrust these guys with certain amounts of money. And he gives one guy a handful of money, he gives another guy a smaller portion, and then he gives one guy a very small portion. And so out of all three of these guys, he entrusted them with different amounts of money based on the level in which they could steward it, manage it, and handle it. So these guys had a track record. And the, and, and the master said, I know you can handle this much, so I'm going to trust you with this much, you with this much, and you with this much. The guy that he had given the most to went out and doubled the money And when the master came back to collect on the accounts that he had given these guys to steward, he said, wow, you are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. And then the second guy that he had given a smaller amount to did the same thing. He went out and doubled it. And so the master says, wow, you are a good and faithful servant. You have taken what was mine and you have increased it and you have taken care of it well. But then the guy that he only gave a very small amount to He looked at him and he said, okay, what did you do? He said, well, he said, I was afraid. He said, because I knew that you were a hard man and you were expecting me to take good care of this and do something with it. And because you expected me to do something with it, I thought that it would be better just to give it back to you when you came back. So I actually hid it. I just buried it in the ground. So here, I dug it out of the ground, take it back. This is is what was yours. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. He said, take take that, that talent, that amount of money, from that guy and give it to the one who doubled it the most. He said, give it to that guy because that guy understands how to handle it. You you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't manage it well. You weren't a faithful steward. You just said, oh, this isn't important, so I'm not going to do what the master wants me to do. In the same way, when God entrusts us with something, he expects us to do something with it and take care of it with excellence. And he expects you to manage your personal finances with excellence because it truly belongs to him. Amen, somebody? I'm preaching better than you're shouting today, but that's okay. (laughs) Christmas is not an excuse to be reckless. So many people use it as an excuse. Oh, well, it's the holidays. It's Christmas. It's kind of like you only live once. And so it's like, let's just go for it. It's on sale and people just throw caution to the wind and they don't use wisdom and discernment in the way they handle their finances. It's like you may even be a good financial steward all year long to where you're making ends meet and you're taking care of things, saving a little money here and there. And then when Christmas comes, you take your smart hat on and put your stupid hat on and you just go nuts and don't even think about things and you say it's all because it's Christmas. That is not an excuse. Don't use baby Jesus' birthday as an excuse to be reckless. Amen, somebody. You see, we lose track and we lose sight of why we even give gifts in the first place during the holidays because we're so consumer-driven that we get so focused on things and stuff that we miss the why and the purpose. You see, the reason we give gifts to one another is because of the free gift that God gave to us in giving His Son, Jesus, And that gave us joy. And we see the generosity of God and the faithfulness of God. And it stirs our heart to want to be givers like God is a giver. And we want to give towards one another because of what God has given us. 
And sometimes generosity is the last thing on people's minds during the holidays. You feel guilty when you walk past the Salvation Army bucket, you know? You're like, I only have a debit card, sorry, chief. You know, you just keep on strutting along because you, you, you feel bad. And generosity is the last thing oftentimes on people's minds. Go over to the book of Acts, the 20th chapter. Acts chapter 20. Let's look at verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And we must remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So why are you giving Christmas gifts this year? What are your motivations? And I'm wanting you to reflect on that and really think about it. Why are you giving gifts this year? And what is your motivation for giving gifts? What's the motivation behind the way you're handling your money this Christmas season? Is it honoring God? Is it honoring Him? Because remember, it's all His. And the reason I wanted to teach this this morning to you is because people experience major financial stress during the holidays. And guess what? Financial stress is not honoring to God. It's not. Because guess what? It's not God's best. You being freaked out and under all this stress and pressure and trying to figure out which kidney you can sell in order to buy little Johnny or little Susie that plastic thing, that they just think that they need, or, or you're, 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 you're thinking, well, you know, I mean, one kidney's sufficient, right? And, or you're thinking of what all you can sell or hawk, or thinking of how, what credit card offer can you sign up for, and all sorts of different things, because you get flooded in your mailbox with that kind of stuff during this time of the year. Absolutely flooded. Oh, we'll extend your credit. Guess what? Credit line increase for you. <laughs> Cha-ching. And we get all excited about those things, but then we feel the pressure of it when the bill comes in the mail afterwards. And when you feel that pressure, man, that takes all the joy away from the gift that you gave, doesn't it? Doesn't that just suck the life out of you? And it really is something that it's not worth the exchange in the end because that exchange does not honor God. When you exchange a momentary pleasure of being able to give someone a gift that you couldn't afford in the first place, and then when the bill comes due, you have to feel the pressure and the stress. It's not worth the trade-off in the end. It really isn't because that does not honor God for you to be under that load of financial stress because guess what happens then? Your financial stress turns into fights with your spouse. Your financial stress turns into name-calling or not talking to one another or maybe not being able to spend as much time with your family because now you have to pick up extra hours at work because you bought the thing that you thought you had to have that you couldn't afford in the first place and now you've got to pay for the thing you thought you had to have that you couldn't afford. And so now you're not seeing your wife and your kids and, you know, next thing you know, they're, they're growing up and you look back and you go, wow, I missed the, my children growing up and it was because you had to pay for the thing you thought you had to have they couldn't afford. And it's a trade-off that's not God-honoring. God does not honor those type of reckless behaviors and it's not something that brings Him glory. And it doesn't do you any good either because guess what happens after you're stressed out? You want to medicate your stress. So what do you do? Most of the time you go out and spend more money because you get that little temporary sensation of feeling good. Or people, some, sometimes they medicate their stress in very unhealthy ways. They'll turn to the bottle. They'll turn to the pill bottle. They'll turn to binge-watching TV or they'll turn to food or they'll turn to going out and spending more money that they shouldn't spend in order to 
make themselves feel better because they feel pressure from spending money. And it's a wicked cycle that you get trapped in. And the holidays is one of those things that's supposed to be honoring to God, that's supposed to be a celebrating, a focused time of celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. But it ends up becoming something that can actually cause us a lot of unnecessary physical, emotional, and spiritual, and relational pain, and a lot of bad decisions that are made that we don't think about the long-term consequences of because we just think we got to have that thing or little Johnny's got to have that thing or that's the hot toy that I've got to buy even if I can't afford it. Christmas is not an excuse to be reckless and being reckless does not honor God. So here's what I want to do. I want to help you to kick crazy out of Christmas this year, all right? Because crazy is not welcome in your home if you want to honor God this Christmas. And maybe you've already made some bad decisions this year and you're like, man, I wish I would have heard this message a few weeks prior because I'm going to give you some practical ways that you can kick crazy out of Christmas this year. But don't feel like it's too late for you to start doing something good. You need to start doing something good when you recognize there's something good you need to be doing instead of doing the bad thing you were doing. Don't you think that's good advice? I think so. And here's the other side of it. If you have made some of these mistakes and you have misprioritized your finances, here's what you need to do. And, and I'm not joking when I say this. I'm, I'm as serious as I can be. You need to repent because you have mishandled and misappropriated God's money because it's His. And if you have not taken care of those things that are God's, you need to say, God, I recognize that I have really blew it in this area. And Lord, I'm repenting. Forgive me for this, God. I have sinned. I have put money and things above wisdom and stewardship that would bring you glory. And show me what I need to do. Show me the next step of how to right this wrong. And if you're feeling that pressure today because of things that you've already bought that are already sitting under the tree that you're going, oh gosh, what do I do? <laughs> maybe it's time for you to reevaluate some of those decisions that you've made. And maybe God wants this message to be a wake-up call for you to be able to use wisdom so you can kick crazy out of Christmas. So I want to give you five things that I think are going to help you, okay? And I want you to write these things down. I think these are extremely practical, and I think they'll help you to be able to kick crazy out of Christmas. Number one, you need to create a gift budget, okay? This is a very simple thing to do. Create a gift budget. There needs to be a line item in your budget. If you don't have a budget, that would be your step one is to get a budget and figure out how to make that work. One of the greatest tools that I use, my wife and I use, is Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar, all right? It's a free app that you can download or you can get on the website. It's free. It doesn't cost you a thing. Get on there and it'll actually sync up your budget with your spouse so that way you can in real time see where you're at in your budget. Just use the Every Dollar app or use it online. It's a simple, easy budgeting tool, and it'll kind of walk you through how to budget if you don't know how to budget. It'll give you some real practical how-tos on how to actually build that budget. Or maybe if you do have a budget, maybe it'd be worth going and checking out every dollar just because I think it's such a good thing. It may help you to tweak on your current budget to help you do what you do even better. But create a gift budget. Even if you put back, starting in January, even if you start putting back 50 bucks a month, in a gift budget that is designated for you to spend gifts on, guess what? By the time Christmas rolls around, you have 600 bucks in there. I mean, isn't that awesome? You think about that in the long run. $50 is not really all that much in the grand scheme of things when you start looking at Christmas. But accumulated over a 12-month period, you've got a nice 
uh, pad there to be able to spend for Christmas if that's how much you want to designate for gifts. It's just, just a figure that I threw out. But whatever the amount is that you want to spend, you need to decide what amount do we need to spend this year for Christmas? Who are we buying Christmas for? And we want to make sure that we designate the funds beforehand. Even if you maybe not be as disciplined to do something like that, maybe you put it actually in cash, like in a drawer somewhere that you don't touch. It's your Christmas money that you put away that's designated just for that. And when the cash runs out, guess what? That's when you stop buying gifts. And you have to be disciplined in order to do things like that. One of the things that we do that we've learned that we had to do was because our friends have, our kids have so many friends um, they always get invited to birthday parties. And, you know, when you go to a birthday party, you always feel like, are we supposed to bring a gift? Is this like one of those things? And if we're going to bring a gift, and that's kind of what we're supposed to do, we want to make sure we do that. And so we've created a birthday gift uh, line in our budget that for the past few years, every month, a certain amount of money goes in to that birthday gift budget. So when a birthday comes around, I don't have to find some toy that my kids don't play with anymore and wrap it up in plastic, you know? <laughs> Go find a toy you don't like anymore. Or I don't have to make a bad decision because I feel pressured to take my kid to some party. We already planned for it. And so there's no pressure. It's actually a fun thing when you do it that way. It becomes not fun when you're not ready for it and you're like, oh no, little Susie, little Johnny invited us to the birthday party and we don't have the money to buy a gift. And then you feel bad and then you, you, you either have to tell your kid you can't go or, or you have to you know, uh, make uh, some gift that you, you, you had to find that you really didn't need to buy because you didn't have the money because you didn't prepare for it, you didn't plan for it. You know these things are coming. And so you need to prepare for those things. And so that would be my advice to you would be to create a gift budget, even if you set that cash aside. That's one of the greatest things my wife and I started doing years ago for our vacations. We, we actually opened up a separate bank account just for vacations. It's our vacation bank account. And we wanted it, A, we wanted to have a relationship with another bank in town because we think that would be wise. And then also, when we go on vacation, we only take that money with us. Like our money we use to pay our bills and things like that doesn't go on the trip with us. It's not allowed. This money that we set aside is. So guess what? We budget for the trip. We plan for the trip. And then we spend the money for the trip. And when the money's gone, there's no more buying that little t-shirt. There's no more, you know, going out to the nice dinner or whatever. You got a plan. You got to make that plan and you got to work the plan. So that's the second thing is you got to stick to it. When you create a gift budget, you need to stick to your plan. And so that would be the second thing I would tell you to do. And I want you to write that down. Stick to the plan. Too many times we spend money on others just because something was cheap or maybe we think someone might like it. One of the things that my wife and I also decided to do that we actually got convicted about, and we felt God was actually leading us to do this, was stop buying our kids things that they're really not even asking for. Man, when you're a parent and you see something that's on sale, like, man, isn't Black Friday absolutely the worst? When you walk through the store and you'll see a toy or something that's cheap and you're like, my kids would like that. It's cheap. I'll buy that. And maybe it's not even something they really wanted. And so your kids begin to open all these presents. And these are things they weren't really even asking for, things they weren't really even wanting. And now you're the one who steps on it in the middle of the night. And, and, and it wasn't even something really that your kids were asking for, but you thought that it was cool and you thought maybe they would enjoy it. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But either way, be more intentional with your purchases. Stick to your plan. Make a plan. Stick to the plan. Don't fudge on the plan. Don't go away from your plan because the way you're going to have peace during the holidays and the way you keep crazy who keeps trying to knock on the door out of your house during the holidays is making a plan and sticking to that plan. You're going to have peace if you do that. You know that? 
You may not get every single thing that so-and-so wanted. You may not get to buy all the presents that you thought you would, but I guarantee you, your level of peace will be a lot higher in your home, and which one's more valuable? Having peace in your home or having to deal with stress for the next year and hoping that something comes along that'll help bail you out of the problem that you created? I don't know which one you like better, but I choose peace. So (laughs) make a plan and stick to the plan. Number three, this is really an important one. You need to make generosity a priority, especially during the holidays when all the ads on television are telling you how your life is going to be so much better if you have the thing that you don't have yet that you absolutely have to have. And they try to push you into the, the, in, into the pressure of buying those different things. And you're like, oh, wow, I could have this or I could have that. Oh, it's only, you know, 50 thousand payments of how much a month that sounds doable with a 30 percent interest rate sure let's do it sounds smart and people think that you know it's something they have to have and they miss out on being generous especially during the holidays people slow down on their generosity towards god and towards others in need during the holidays because they're too worried about not having enough to buy that gift And if we begin to prioritize buying that thing that we think we need to have or that we want to make sure our kids have or our spouse has or whatever, then we're really missing the heart behind Christmas. And we're making it more about acquiring stuff and making sure that people like the fact that we got them stuff rather than making sure we keep the main thing the main thing. You see, there have to be certain non-negotiables in your life regardless of what the holiday season may bring or regardless of what little Johnny and Susie's Christmas list says. Your tithe to God needs to be a non-negotiable. Amen, somebody? Your tithe to God needs to be a non-negotiable. It does, and it needs to be something that you do on the front end, not if you have left over. That's not honoring God. God doesn't want our scraps or our leftovers. God wants us to honor Him with our first fruits. And so we need to prioritize generosity and make sure that generosity is present in our home, both through our regular uh, uh, generosity that God has already called us to, and then through other things that will help orient our heart towards others instead of being focused on us. One of the practical things that we've done as uh, husband and wife since we've had kids, and our oldest is 11, is that we have over probably the past four or five years figured out that we want to teach our kids generosity by empowering them to make a generous decision. And we do that through this way, and it's just a real simple way. We give them a small amount of money every year during the holidays when everything is about, you know, uh, Christmas and everyone's looking at what's under the tree and what they want on their Christmas list and things like that. We give them a small amount of money that they cannot use for themselves. They have to use it to give away in some way, shape, or form to someone else to do something for someone else. It's a very easy thing to do. We just give them a certain amount of money. And last year, they tried to pull a a fast one on me because they said, can we buy gifts for one another? And they thought maybe they could like work this like kind of, kind of, you know, behind the scenes thing. Like I want to be generous to my sister and then, hey, sister, why don't you be generous to me and we can make this thing work. And so we're like, no, you guys are missing the point. And we're trying to teach our kids. We're trying to empower them to be generous on a different level than perhaps they would normally be able to. And so we say, hey, what if you did something like this? And we'll throw ideas out 
But whether they want to give money to uh, a kid that we would support in like a foreign country or whether they would want to uh, give it at the Salvation Army or whether they would want to buy a present for a friend that they uh, just wanted to bless or something like that, we, we always want them to do something for someone else. And so, especially during the holidays, and we try to focus that during the holidays because I think that's important because it's so much marketed towards the kids that they can begin to think Christmas is all about them and they lose sight of it being about Jesus, right? And so we want to make sure that they have their focus on helping and serving other people and being generous. So that's just a simple thing that we do. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying that's something we do um, that uh, has been helpful to help to focus our kids' hearts towards generosity. Because get this, your kids are watching you, grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, aunt and uncle. They're watching you to take their cue for how to manage money. They're taking their cues from you on how to navigate what generosity is defined as in your home and in your life. And you have to realize that's part of the responsibility that you have. My wife and I, when we first got married, neither one of our parents ever took time to involve us in the financial side of the home. So we weren't taught finances by our parents. And that's not a knock on them. They just didn't know. They weren't taught by their parents. But we've recognized the need, and we say we want to teach our kids how to be good stewards, and we want to teach our kids how to be generous on the front end. So therefore, sometimes when we're generous, we're generous sacrificially. That means that sometimes we have to say no to something that we really wanted to do because we knew we wanted to be generous in this area and we wanted to put God first. And when you teach your kids that and involve them in that, it's one thing for you and your, your spouse to make that decision behind closed doors, but to involve your kids in that, especially in something where it was something we were going to do as a family, well, we're going to prioritize doing this and here's why. Because God has put it on our heart to help this family or to do this. So instead of us doing this, we're going to do this. Now, you don't have to let your kids in on how much you're giving and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is teach them how to be wise stewards and remember that you're a model for them. And if they're going to grow up knowing that everything belongs to God and we're stewards, you've got to be the one to model that. And you've got to be the one to teach them that. Teach them how to balance a checkbook. Teach them how to save. Teach them how to make wise decisions. I like to give my kids opportunities to make decisions, so I put them in situations where they have to make a decision, and sometimes it's a tough decision. So, what we've uh, one, one of the things we've done is we give our kids a certain amount if they achieve all of their chores and things that they're supposed to accomplish during the week and the attitude that they're supposed to have. And if those things happen, then we give them a small amount of money. And then I always give them a, a decision every week when we go to the bank. I'll tell them, I say, Now, this week you can take your money and you can put it in the bank. Or you can take this money and you can spend it on something that you would like. And then we have certain limits that we allow them to spend. And if you are able to put your money into the bank, there's actually a greater reward because the bank that we bank at has a little system that for every $5 that a kid will deposit, they give them a little gold coin. And they have a little store that they can go buy things in the little, with the little gold coins. And my kids love that. And they go, they, my kids figured out. I can keep the money and save the money I'm supposed to save, get rewarded for that, and still save my little coins to eventually maybe get something from the little store. And it's always small things, nothing elaborate. But little things like that, or they can have the money now, but then they have to go through this process that we have. And, and, and just simple things like that to teach your kids stewardship, teach them uh, financial management, teach them that stuff while they're young, because that's a harder lesson to learn when you're grown. I don't know if you've had to learn that lesson when you're grown, but I sure did. And I learned it the hard way, and I've made a lot of bonehead decisions 
financially that have hurt me and my family, and I've had to repent for those things. And God has given me wisdom, and I've grown and matured and had to learn some of these things the hard way on how to be a good financial steward. And he's done it, and he's faithful. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to make the small decisions, and it's not one big decision that you make, folks. It's a bunch of little decisions that you make consistently that'll bring about the greatest results, and you need to always remember that. So make generosity a priority, especially during the holidays, to keep crazy out of Christmas and keep your focus on Jesus. Number four, don't give in to pressure. Oh, this is a good one. Don't give in to pressure to give someone something just because they got you something. And you're worried about what they're going to think about you. I want to tell you a story about Pastor Keith. Pastor Keith and I go way back, and some of you may or may not know this, but I was actually Pastor Keith's youth pastor when he was a teenager. Okay, I've known him a long time. Pastor Keith's one of our staff pastors here at Word of Grace. Pastor Keith used to be notorious for pulling a lot of pranks. And you didn't want to start a war with him because if you started it, man, this guy was going to take it and you were going to wish you never would have thought of that clever thing that you thought you were going to do to Keith Nix because he was going to make sure that he got you back. And then the war thus began. So I had to be very selective, okay, in what I wanted to start with him because as a youth pastor, I would love to play pranks on some of the kids in the youth group. But Keith Nix was a special case. And I wanted to make sure that I was selective in what I did and how I did it because retribution was coming. He's one of those guys that when you started something with him back in the day, man, and he's not as bad now, but I still think he's got it in him a little bit. He's one of those guys that back in the day when you'd start something with him, man, you, you would be going down that path for years and, and he would be getting you back for stuff that happened years ago. And, and all of a sudden, you would find things like hot sauce in your drink when you got up to go to the restroom and, you know, at the restaurant, and, and you come back, and all sorts of just little, just ornery, ornery things. I know you don't think of your sweet little uh, staff pastor in, in that light, but there's another side that you guys just don't know. But my point is, is that you don't want to start something sometimes with people that brings you down a path that is a dark path. Sometimes you start giving something to someone and then you begin to feel obligated because now they gave you something and now you feel like you got to keep this thing going for years and years and years and years. And next thing you know, you ended up giving gifts to people that you're like, why aren't we even buying gifts for these people? I don't even want to go over their house. I don't even know them anymore. They move in. They live, they live completely far away from where we used to live. And we still have this obligation. And some people feel this pressure. Maybe in your office, you feel the pressure to, 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 to get in with all of these gift giving, but you can't afford it. And you give into the pressure. Man, don't give into that pressure. Don't give into the pressure what other people think about you during the holidays. Listen, you need to learn how to be a good receiver. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. But when someone wants to give you something, you do. You need to learn how to be a good receiver. I've had to learn how to be a good receiver. When someone wants to bless you with something, if it moves your heart to want to do something in return, by all means, please do it. Please follow that if you can afford it. But don't feel the pressure and the obligation to do something just because someone did something for you that you have to now in turn buy them something back. Sometimes we rob people of the blessing of the, the generosity that they want to give us something by us feeling this obligation to keep this ping pong back and forth thing going of just giving somebody something. And we do it out of obligation. And so many people despise certain holiday traditions because they feel this pressure to do something when they're not in the financial situation to do it. Now, if you're in the financial situation to do it and you want to play along, by all means, do it. But if it's something that 
turns your stomach every year and something that makes you nervous and something that makes you feel obligated and something that puts pressure on you, you don't have to do it. You can stop. The only thing is that perhaps maybe someone might be upset with you because they got you something and you didn't get them something. Well, guess what? They were giving you the thing for the wrong reason in the first place, if that's the case. Wouldn't you agree? We need to make sure that we're taking care of our family, folks. And I know you're like, oh, pastor, you don't need to preach that. That's way too simple. Yeah, but these are the little things that invite crazy into Christmas. These are the little things that make a time of celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ a time where we feel pressure and we feel obligated and miserable to do certain things. And you shouldn't feel that way. And you shouldn't do those things that you, uh, that just because someone gave something to you. And, and, and the other thing is that you don't always have to give your kids and, and your family members and people things. You need to remember that it's not what you say oftentimes or even what you give to someone. It's how you make them feel. People are going to remember more times than not how they felt. And we identified in our life when my wife and I sat down the fact that we couldn't name but maybe 10 really cool toys that we got all of our growing up and all of our childhood. But you want to know what we could remember and what we did have a lot of conversation around? Experiences that we had as a family. I, I really honestly cannot name maybe 10 really special gifts that I got that were like plastic or a video game or something. I remember some of those things, but the main thing I remember was spending time with my parents. I remember spending time on family vacations. I remember them showing me how to do things, teaching me how to do things, giving me opportunities to learn how to do things, like learn how to play music and whatnot. I remember those things. And so we said, why don't we instead begin to not only just give our kids a few gifts that are actual tangible toys and things like that, but let's give them experiences and things like that. Because one year, our kids, we, we, once we started going down this road, our kids were asking for things like, I want to uh, do gymnastics. I want to I learn how to uh, be a better swimmer, or I want to learn how to play the piano. And so we made that part of their Christmas where they actually received these gifts and these experiences as a part of their Christmas. And that was a big deal to them where they're like, guess what? We bought you X amount of lessons, or we bought you this experience, or we did this a few years back to where Christmas morning, after we were through uh, with our gift exchanging with, as a family, we surprised the kids by saying, load up in the car, we're going to the Dells for a couple of days. You know, and we just got a couple of nights in the Dells to go and to play in the water parks and things like that. And, and it's those things that they're going to remember, not the little action figure or the Barbie doll oftentimes. Maybe if there was a real significance to it, they might remember those things. But the things that are really going to make an impact on them are those experiences. So don't give in to the pressure. And here's the other pressure I don't want you to give in to. Don't give in to the pressure to feel like you need to give your kids the things you didn't have as a kid. That's a big thing with people nowadays. They feel like they need to dote on their children and they need to overcompensate for what they feel like they didn't get to experience or have as kids. And they make bad decisions when they do that. They really do. It, it, that's a, if you approach spending money with that type of mentality, guarantee you're going to make bad decisions. That's a guarantee open door to invite crazy in your home. And to kick them out, you've got to say, you know what, I had a good childhood, or maybe you didn't have a good childhood. Maybe Christmas was always slim, or maybe you didn't have Christmas as a kid. Whatever the case is, but don't feel obligated or pressured to give your kids things you didn't have as a child uh, just because you think that you missed out on something so great. Do it because 
give them things because you, you, you love them, you've budgeted for this, this, is gonna have, uh, this isn't going to put you in a bad situation or put you in debt to where you have to constantly be swiping the card or filling out that, that, that new application for a new card in order to get the thing that you think they have to have that you can't afford. Don't put yourself in that situation because guess what? Your kids don't need the stuff that you didn't have as a kid. You know what they need? You. They need you. That's what they need. Lastly, give gifts with purpose. So regardless of what you buy this year, regardless of what you do gift-wise this year, share with the recipients of those gifts why you're giving those gifts in the first place. Before your kids are allowed to open the presents, let them know why they're getting gifts this year during Christmas time. Talk to them about that. Maybe other people, maybe friends or family, before you just hand them a box that's wrapped up or nobody really does a whole lot of wrapping this year, we all buy the bags because it's easier, because we're so busy. It's not as fun though, is it? But we hand them a bag or we hand them a box or whatever the case may be. What about explaining to them why you're doing that instead of just handing them a Christmas present during Christmas time? What if you said something to your children or those people like the Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and our God is a generous and loving God, and I love God, and so because I love God, I want to be generous to you by giving gifts. And it's my love for you that motivates me to give just like God's love for us motivated Him to give, because it was for God so loved that He gave. And maybe if you shared something like that, it would help people to better have a framework of why it is that you're giving them something in the first place. And that you would be able to use that as an opportunity to share with them the love of God and be intentional about it. You see, we don't want to be mindless or reckless or stressed out over it. We want to give intentionally with love being the motivator for why we do what we do. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, love isn't boastful. It's not proud. All of these other things. Love is not going to be irrational. Love is not going to be reckless. Love is going to be consistent and faithful and patient and loving and kind. I mean, these are the attributes that we need to be displaying and showing during this holiday season. But when you go into the store, those are some of the last attributes you see in people, is it not? Because they're focused on the wrong things. They've lost the purpose. They've lost the why. And we need to make sure that we understand that and our kids understand the real reason of why we're doing what we're doing. One of the cool things that my wife's family has always done, and I always, you know, I used to think it was really corny, but now that we don't get to go down there as much, I, I think it's kind of cool. Every Christmas Eve, um, my wife's aunt would always make sure that there was a cake there uh, during the family Christmas time on Christmas Eve. And it was a birthday cake that said on it, from the bakery of whatever store she got it from, Happy Birthday, Jesus. And then, you know, it'd be like his 2000th and, you know, 53rd birthday, so we had a lot of candles on it. No, we didn't. It's just a joke. We had an eternal candle on it with an eternal flame. No, but, but we would have a happy birthday, Jesus birthday cake, and all the kids would gather around, and they'd actually sing happy birthday to Jesus. And that may be hokey and corny to some of you. They put a little, like a little, a little uh, manger baby figurine, you know, on top of the cake or whatever, just so the kids would have in their minds, this is about Jesus. And we would do that before we opened any presents. And the kids thought, cake, great, you know. But then they also are going to remember, this is about Jesus. 
And then another thing that we would do after that, before they would even open presents, is that we would read the Christmas story. We would talk about things that we're grateful for. We would try to bring that anchor of Christ in Christmas instead of making it all about the commercialism that is trying to steal the focus away from Jesus. And these are just some things that I want to share with you to help you to kick crazy out of Christmas because you're managing God's money. You're influencing the next generation. You're having an impact on other people with the way that you approach this subject in this time of year. God's resources is what you're managing, and you're teaching your children, you're teaching your grandchildren and others what's really important by the way you navigate this season. So this Christmas season, you have an opportunity to kick crazy out and to have peace. You can have peace financially and give gifts to others with greater intentionality while continuing to prioritize and grow in generosity. Living and giving that way will honor God all year and all holiday season and keep the focus on Him. So remember those five things I shared with you. Maybe you can take some of those and apply them. Maybe you're already doing some of them. Maybe it's a good reminder. Maybe you're one of those people that's like, yeah, I, I need to repent over some of these things because I've gotten off track because this really is all about Jesus. And so I want you to do that. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to make a change, make that change. If you need to strengthen something that's been weak, then you need to do that. So I want you to grow, and I want us to make sure that this is a wonderful time where our hearts and our lives and our families can be focused on Christ and not on stuff. And one of the ways we do that is by stewarding our finances when it concerns gifts in a way that honors God and honors Jesus. And that'll help you to grow, and that'll help you to have the peace of God that'll pass your understanding, it'll guard your heart and your mind so you can stay focused on what God's called you to do and what He's created you to do, and so you can be an influence for Him. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share this word with our church family. I thank you so much for this season that we're in. Father, I pray that you would help all of us to navigate our finances in a way that would honor you and bring you glory. Father, as people exchange gifts during the season, it's just part of our American tradition. And I pray, Lord, that as consumerism tries to consume us, I pray that we will truly allow our hearts to be reoriented and to focus on Jesus. And Father, I pray that if we need to repent over bad management, that we recognize, Lord, this is yours, and you want me to honor you with it, and you want me to do things that will bring you glory. And Father, this stress is not from you. This pressure is not from you. This obligation to do some of these, these things for, for, for certain people or to buy certain things, Lord, it's not healthy thing from you. Help us to have a fresh perspective today by your Holy Spirit lovingly and gently leading us and guiding us into all truth, the truth that will set us free so we can be smarter, so we can be wiser, so we can be better stewards, so we can give you honor in a very practical way during this Christmas season and keep the focus on Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com.